Welcome to Riders Report, the podcast. See you later! Oh, baby! And the Riders win! Now, here's your host, Zach Bigley. Hello and welcome to episode 6 of Riders Report, the podcast. I'm Zach Bigley, your host and play-by-play broadcaster for the Frisco Rough Riders, and we are so happy that you can join us as we continue our off-season withdrawals from baseball. With the Braves winning the World Series, that means professional baseball has ended for the time being, and we'll have to wait until spring training until we get the players back on the field together. While we wait, there is so much to get to as we have another packed episode of Riders Report. In this episode, we'll take a closer look at the three newest champions among the Rough Riders alumni, relievers Luke Jackson, Jesse Chavez, and Chris Martin, who are all among the members of the Atlanta Braves bullpen that helped take down the Astros in six games. We'll also be joined by the Rough Riders utility man, Blaine Krim, and talk to him about his wild season, going from an all-star start with Hickory and the high A level to continuing that success offensively with Frisco during his first full season in the minors. Lastly, we'll update you on what's going on here at Riders Field during a very busy offseason. There's so much to get to here in Episode 6, so let's hop right in. The 2021 World Series was a matchup of two teams that had very different paths to the Fall Classic. The Houston Astros won the American League West by five games over the Seattle Mariners, winning 95 games total, the second-best mark in the league, and made their third World Series in the last five years. On the other side, the Atlanta Braves had to chase down the Mets and the Phillies, who were on top of the National League East during the middle of the year, ultimately winning the division by six and a half games, despite finishing with just 88 total wins. That win total would have placed them third in the other two National League divisions, but the Braves rolled through the World Series in their first berth since 1999 when they fell to the Yankees. When the Braves were crowned champions of baseball in 2021, so were three former Rough Riders players, who, like the two teams that played in the series, had drastically different journeys to the Braves' bullpen. There is no better player to start with than Jesse Chavez, who pitched in his 14th MLB season in 2021. A former 42nd round selection of the Rangers in the 2002 draft out of Riverside Community College in California, Chavez played for the Rough Riders in both 2005 and 2006. During that span, he totaled a 6-8 record with a 5-0-4 ERA and 69 relief outings between the two seasons. In the middle of 2006, Chavez was dealt to Pittsburgh in exchange for pitcher Kip Wells, and Chavez eventually made his Major League debut in 2008 for the Pirates. From there, the journeyman career began for Chavez, going to fill all types of roles for many teams. He was used as a starting pitcher in Oakland in 2014 and 2015, owning a 3-4-5 ERA in 2014 before going back to the bullpen in the 2016 season. Over his 14 campaigns, Chavez appeared in 511 games, making 83 starts combined between nine different teams, including spending three years with the team that initially drafted him, the Rangers. Following a 2020 in the Arlington bullpen, Chavez signed as a free agent with the Braves and turned in one of the best years of his career at age 37, going 3-2 over 30 games with a 2-1-4 ERA. Chavez also did not allow a single run in seven postseason outings, including two in the World Series this year. In a roundabout way, Chavez actually had an effect on the 2021 Rough Riders because he was traded from the Rangers to the Chicago Cubs in 2018 in exchange for Tyler Thomas, who was a key member of the Rough Riders bullpen this past season. The other reliever who came up through the Rangers system was Luke Jackson, 
Jackson, who was a first-round selection by the Rangers, 45th overall in 2010 out of the Florida high school ranks, made his double-A debut with the Riders in 2013 at the age of 21. Between 2013, 2014, and 2016 in Frisco, Jackson went 10-3 with a 2.87 earned run average over 41 games, 18 of which were starts. In 2013, Jackson was named the Nolan Ryan Minor League Pitcher of the Year in the Rangers system as a starter, but moved to more of a bullpen role in AAA Round Rock during the 2015 season. After making his debut with the Rangers that same year, he returned to Frisco for 20 games in 2016 and was traded to the Atlanta Braves organization in December of 2016 in exchange for relievers Brady Feigl and Tyrell Jenkins. Since the train, 2021 marked Jackson's fifth year in the Braves system and by far his most productive. The righty tied Will Smith for the most appearances on the team out of the bullpen with 71, while going 2-2 with a 1.98 earned run average. Opponents had just a 6.09 OPS against Jackson, a career low by a wide margin on the season. In the World Series, Jackson threw three scoreless outings, totaling three and two-thirds innings with four strikeouts, only seating one base runner on a hit. The last former Rough Riders player who won a ring in 2021 was Chris Martin, who rehabbed with the Rough Riders in 2018, throwing one scoreless inning on both May 14th and 16th. A native of Arlington, Martin has one of the best success stories you'll find in baseball. He was drafted by the Tigers in 2004 out of Arlington High School, but chose to attend McLennan Community College for a season before being selected by the Rockies in the 21st round of the 2005 draft. While the Rockies were trying to decide whether or not to offer him a contract, Martin returned to McLennan for his sophomore year, but tore his labrum, causing the Rockies to shy away from signing him. After not being selected in the 2006 draft following his shoulder surgery, Martin played independent baseball for the Fort Worth Cats in 2007, but never pitched because of shoulder discomfort. Martin saw a doctor and was recommended that he get surgery again to repair both his labrum and the articular capsule of his humerus, but instead he elected to quit playing baseball. Life after baseball was tough work for Martin as he worked for UPS, the DFW airport, moved refrigerators for Lowe's, stocked washing machines and dryers for warehouses in Arlington, worked a ton of labor jobs all over the area. While he was in one of those jobs, he and one of his high school teammates and co-workers started to play catch on the side. Magically, Martin started to feel that his shoulder was starting to feel a little bit stronger, so he decided to give baseball one last shot. After three years away from the game, he played independent baseball under former Rangers outfielder Pete Incavelia with the Grand Prairie Airhogs in 2010. Following immediate success there and through connections of Incavelia, Martin was able to try out for the Red Sox during spring training of the 2011 season and made the team under a minor league deal. In 2013, Martin was traded to the Rockies, who didn't offer him a contract in 2005 and made his MLB debut in 2014 in Colorado. The 2015 season brought a new employer for Martin as he was purchased by the Yankees and made 24 appearances for the Bombers during that year. After owning a 6-1-9 ERA during his MLB career, Martin pitched in Japan for two seasons before he signed with the Rangers in 2018. After pitching a season and a half in his hometown of Arlington, he was traded at the July trade deadline to Atlanta for pitcher Kobe Allard, who is still with the Rangers. After a career year in 2020, going 1-1 one one with a 1 ERA over 19 games, Martin owned a 3.95 ERA in 46 outings during the 2021 campaign, allowing just one run over five postseason outings en route to his first championship. 
There were so many players with incredible stories who made their way through Frisco in 2021. Maybe none better than Blaine Krim, a utility player for the Rough Riders. Krim started out the season in High A Hickory, blasting his way to a postseason all-star nod in the High A East by hitting 300 on the nose with 20 home runs and 61 RBIs over 73 games while posting a 931 OPS. Krim was promoted to the Rough Riders on August 3rd, quickly becoming a staple in the middle of the order right away when he hammered a go-ahead seventh-inning home run in his double-A debut. In 35 total games in Frisco, Krim hit 288 with an 856 OPS while slamming nine home runs and knocking in 19. Krim was kind enough to sit down with us over Zoom earlier this season. He was wonderful in telling his story and his path into professional baseball. Here's our interview with Blaine Krim. We'll dive into a little bit of this season later on, but I wanted to take it all the way back to, to kind of your roots growing up in Mobile, Alabama. And what was your baseball culture like growing up in Mobile? You know, I had a couple of really good friends that I grew up playing with that, you know, was kind of that core group that I started with at about like eight or nine years old. Uh, you know, and you can throw Bubba Thompson in there for a few years, which is pretty cool. Um, but, you know, I, was, I wasn't the most athletic kid growing up. I wasn't the most... Uh, physically gifted and I, I didn't I, I didn't pass the eye test for a very very long time so um, you know I tried football for a little bit you know I tried basketball growing up but you know once I got to to middle school and early high school I, you know I said you know I wanted to focus on baseball because I thought that was the only thing I was decent at um, and you know my family did a just a phenomenal job of, of sacrificing a lot for me uh, to be able to pursue my my dream of baseball, um, the the dream of playing professional baseball ended pretty pretty early, in in my eyes and I think in my family's eyes as well. But you know they never let that stop them from giving me everything that I needed and providing everything. Um, so you know my of course my parents were tough on me you know on and off the field, which I'm I'm very thankful for that. I have a younger sister named Bailey who's a collegiate volleyball player. They're the same way with her. So, you know, my parents did a very good job, uh, you know, molding a mindset that um, is super competitive. So, it, you know, the professional baseball dream kind of backdoored itself back into my life later in college. So um, I'm definitely thankful for, for how I grew up. What was it like playing with Bubba Thompson back in the day? <laughs> uh not like it is now i'll tell you that it you know bubba's bubba's to this day one of the best teammates i've ever had one of the hardest workers uh, you know i've ever seen with a you know a five tool sk skill set that is just amazing to watch in person um and he'll tell you himself you know he he was not the bubba now that he was you know back in the day but he was like i said he was always a good teammate you know back back when we played together he was he was a little younger than we were um so the game was it was at that age to where you know those couple years made a huge difference in in physicality and and skill sets that the that the other players had and we also played tournaments up from our age group so there were tournaments where Bobo was playing you know three or four years up which plays a huge difference at that age and um you know, he was, he was developing. So he was, he was definitely a, you know, he was, a, um, he was a very good runner like he is now. 
and you know he was he bunted a lot but he also did whatever it took um you know to help the team win we were and we were a very good team at, you know growing up so he he did what it took and you know to this day he's he's been that good teammate so he does the same thing in double a now if if if, a, if it calls for a bunt he bunts if it, if we need him to steal he steals but uh it's phenomenal playing with him again now you said you played some left field this year and you said that it makes it feel a lot better when Bubba Thompson's out there in the yeah. center. Has that come to fruition a little bit? Yeah. I mean, it, it was really cool last uh, two weeks ago, back in Frisco. Um, I'm playing left field, you know, I'm looking over and Bubba's right there and I look behind me and my dad and my mom are on the Hill and my dad was our coach was one of our coaches growing up. And so, you know, that's super cool that that he gets to kind of come full circle. Uh, I'm sure he never thought his son would be in left field uh, coming from my athletic ability growing up. But, um, you know, like I said, with, with any outfielder we have on this team, it feels great to have them in center field. It just gives me the confidence that, you know, I don't have to do as much as I really think I have to. Um, but, yeah, when it comes to playing with Bubba, um you know, there's multiple times I've come up with the, you know, the opportunity to drive them in. Um, it's just, you know, there's something new every day that's, you know, that's super cool to to look back and put in perspective that we're actually on the same team again. And, you know, I don't, me and Bubba do not let that go unnoticed. You know, we, we make sure that, that we, uh, that we really take advantage of this experience and, you know, soak it in. Taking it back to your high school days, you didn't get a lot of D1 offers. You really, Mississippi College was your only true offer coming out of high school, but you hit over 500 your final year in high school as a two-way player, pitched really well on the mound. What were some of your favorite high school memories playing uh, and having that kind of success? Uh, I just think, you know, we had a really good group that year. Um, you know, the, the, all of our whole pitching staff that year, besides me, went Division One. Um, uh, we had some, you know, we had a couple of Division One football players that uh, were very athletic, that were really good uh, in the lineup. You know, a couple of my other buddies that didn't get the opportunity to go play college baseball were phenomenal high school players. And, you know, the culture there was a winning culture. And, you know, unfortunately, we weren't able to win state championship that year, which I think we were, you know, had a very good shot at it. But, um, you know, high school was was great. Um, you know, the when it came to my senior year, knowing that I had a place to go play after college really helped me just kind of take it day by day and, you know, really soak in my last year. And I think that helped me perform the way that I did. Um, but. Yeah, the, you know, the offers weren't really there. Um, it was part of it, I guess. You know, Mississippi College just felt, even though they were one of my only options, it did feel like a phenomenal option for me. And, you know, my life going forward, and I felt at home. I felt like it was it was where I was meant to go. I know that's cliche, but, you know, that's, it, it, it felt great to, to be able to go there. And once I, once I got over the – the ego part of going division one um, internally and I accepted that then you know Mississippi College became a great place for me and I'm really excited that I that I went there.
I feel like there's such a stigma with D2 colleges. Yeah. Mississippi yeah. College, you obviously had a lot of success there. Do you have any fun stories from, from playing there? Yeah. Uh, Mississippi College was like, I mean, you know, everybody says college is the best time of your life, and it was. It, it was the best four years of my life. And on and off the field, I mean, I met my wife there. I never would have met her if I would have been stubborn and wanted to go Division One and all this kind of stuff. And um, I had seven or eight of my groomsmen in my wedding were from college. Um, you know, I have a forever mentor and friend and every coach that coached me there, uh, coaching staff, weight coach, you know, the, the community at Mississippi College was is what made it so great. Um, it's a small school um, that was transitioning back from Division Three to Division Two, and that was super cool to be a part of that transition. My first two years, the 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 record was not there. We were a losing team, bad. Like a, we lost a lot of games, um, but it was our our coaching staff did a very good job of um, of like letting us know that this was a kind of a rebuild and this was a foundation that we were setting and like brick by brick it was going to eventually pay off and junior year came around and we ended up winning the conference championship and made it very deep into the postseason and regionals and that's kind of just like it was over after that you know the next year we were top 25 team all year and um I that's just something that I think will carry me way deep into my life and like raising my kids and uh, being a husband is just the lessons that I learned there um, from the players, from the coaches and from the experiences there. And, you know, everybody says everything happens for a reason. And Mississippi College is one of those that kind of hits me in the face, telling me like, OK, this really did happen for a reason. Um, so, like I said, I will I will forever be grateful for going to Mississippi College. On the diamond, your first year, you were a two-way player before elbow surgery mm -hmm. kind of derailed that. What was that whole experience like? I hate pitching. I hate <laughs> it. I despise it. I have, I have this just. Uh, I don't know how they do it. I don't know how their arm holds up. Like I don't know how these guys up here do it. Um, but yeah, it was it was fun. It was a learning experience for sure. You know, of course, in high school, I thought I was amazing at pitching, but. I got to college and I ended up getting a starting spot on the rotation my like freshman year opening weekend. I'm like, dang, I'm about to, I'm about to be a two way dude out here. And, you know, I, I had a couple good starts and then we got into conference and that division two cliche of, you know, of these guys aren't as good, just went out the window. These guys were smacking me left and right. And I basically got hit out of the rotation. And I was like, it was good because I was hitting my, individually. I was hitting pretty well, but I was my fastball was getting smacked and my breaking ball was getting smacked and everything was getting smacked. So my coach was like, hey, we're just going to let you focus on third base. And, uh, you know, I, I got some relief appearances towards the end of the year. I was definitely better out of the pen towards the end of the year. Um, but the, the elbow surgery was a great thing for me. I'll tell you that. Transitioning, obviously, you had a wonderful career going forward through Mississippi State, but getting drafted in the 19th round as a high school or as a college senior, you don't necessarily have a whole lot of leverage going into the draft. What was that whole process like for you? 
that was cra- that was definitely a crazy experience for me and my family and my wife and everybody just because um there hadn't been there had been a lot of very very good players I'd seen throughout my career at Mississippi College on my team and in the conference that never got drafted and I was like this is absurd that some of these players are not getting an opportunity so the numbers that they were putting up were outrageous to me and I, they were unrealistic to me. So that dream of playing professional baseball was never there. It just wasn't. Um, it started creeping back towards my junior year. Um, and so I was not going to play summer ball after my junior year. I was going to go ahead and start getting a summer job. Uh, I knew I wanted to marry my, my wife and she was my girlfriend at the time. So I wanted to save up for the ring. Um, I wanted to, I was, it was going to be my first summer ever that I didn't have baseball and I was going to go do whatever I wanted to do. Um, and a scout did, that, that I had kind of developed a relationship with in high school and my, my dad kind of developed a relationship with as well. He was like, Hey, Blaine's like, he's got a shot. I'm not saying it, it's a hundred percent shot, but if he does want any shot of playing professional baseball, he needs to go play one more summer. Like it's his last summer. He's he would regret it anyway. Like, he needs to go. Um, my wife ended up telling me to do the same thing. Like, hey, just go play your last summer. What's the worst that can happen? Blah, blah, blah. So I ended up going to play. Um, I decided super late in my junior year I was going to go play. I ended up having the the best week of my life in our conference tournament my junior year. And there were a lot of scouts there to see another player. Um and that's actually kind of where the Rangers saw me and where everything started for me is, is that week. Um, a Ranger scout followed me down to regionals. We developed a relationship and kind of that kind of led into my senior year. And I just started having scouts coming to practice in the fall. That was kind of shocking. Like I'd like be walking into the clubhouse and there'd be like four or five scouts. And I'd be like, what in the world is going on? And um so that, that's kind of when it took off is, you know, I started getting in contact with people in the fall, not enough to know that it was for sure. Um, and then going into my senior season, it was very, very hard for me to not put pressure on myself. Um, but my team and my family did a very good job of, you know, taking that pressure off of me. And it, it just kind of all fell into place after that. And the, I can remember, I, you know, I knew I wasn't going to get, like, any money or anything like that. I just was looking for an opportunity. Um, so, you know, there were people calling. If I just take a plane ticket, I said, yeah. You know, dirt cheap, I said, yeah. You know, I'll go for where, whatever. And I knew the Rangers probably liked me the most. Um, you know, I, my family and I were kind of checking the iPad throughout, you know, during the draft on the third day. And it was just, you know – a lot of my buddies that I know now were getting picked, all the pitchers, and I was like, come on, man. Like, I'm trying to go. This is nerve-wracking. And the the iPad was just in the kitchen, and I was like, I'm just not going to look anymore. And I heard my phone kind of started to go off, and my dad was doing some work, and my mom was in the back of the house, and I went and looked, and it was like three picks later. And I looked, and the Rangers picked me, and I was like, oh, wow. And so I told my dad. I heard my mom scream in the back. So I guess she was really just in the back, like refreshing the, the draft tracker. And that was a surreal experience for me. It's just, 
that was that moment. Um, and then, of course, the first time I got to see my wife after it happened was incredible because uh, she could not support me in any better way than she does. So it was it was great. It was it was a dream come true for sure. From there, you went to Spokane, of course, went to Arizona first. But what were some of the, the first moments where you're like, wow, I'm in Pro Bowl now? <clears throat> immediately out the gate, seeing 90 whatever uh, immediately. And, well, actually, no, it was before that. It was probably just going into the batting cages the first day and seeing these dudes hit. And I'm like, these guys are in a rookie ball? And I'm like, it sounds like rifles are going off in this batting cage right now. I was like, I don't know if I can do that. And it's just realizing that everybody's good, that every single person is very good at their job. Um, you know, D Division Two, there are knocks on it. They're, you know, it's not as deep as Division One. The, you know, the pitching is, quote, unquote, not as good. So, I mean, I wasn't seeing – I wasn't like a lot of these guys where I was seeing 90-plus every weekend – I was sitting, you know, 90 plus was like, we're in the dugout at my college. Like, yo, you better get ready for that heater because it's coming. And, you know, I probably only saw a handful of guys each year that were throwing that hard. So that was definitely a tough adjustment for me. But once it was like, it's just baseball. It's just another version of baseball. Um, it kind of helped me settle down. Um, like I said, I, you know, I got close with a few guys. They, they kind of helped me settle down a little bit too. And it was just like, you know, day by day, it was just getting adjusted. And finally, you just realize that it's just baseball. And, it, you know, that's kind of a, a mindset that I, that I feel like I need to have at every level is it's just baseball. It's just a kid's game. Everybody's there. You know, it's hard for everybody. And, you know, the pitchers have to throw it over the white part of the plate. Every hitter's got to hit it, you know, hit that white ball with the round, round bat, like just super simple things that, you know, really put the game into perspective. So it, it was definitely eye-opening. It took me a long time to get, like, like acclimated to it. But now, you know, it's kind of – it's it's kind of like as long as I can have that mentality, then I'm okay. There's no doubt that you are a bat-first kind of guy. And the defense has been something that has been focused on a lot. You've been put out in left field here with Frisco. Defensively, how do you see yourself as a player and, and what you're, what do you want to accomplish defensively? Um, I agree with you. I think the bat definitely comes first. Um, you know, the, the motto I've always gone by is hitters hit. And if you hit, they'll find you a place to play. Um, at the same time, I don't want to be a guy that they can't find anywhere else for me to play besides DH. Um, so it's really just like going forward now, knowing that left field is a possibility and right field is a possibility. And, um, you know, I knew that I couldn't really be constrained to just first base. I'm 5'10", 5'11", with cleats. Like, I'm not a huge guy. Um, I'm very comfortable at first base. I'm very confident over there. But um, I do need to add some more, you know, skills to my arsenal. And I'm very excited about doing that. I, I do think going forward in my career, um, if everything happened like I wanted it to, I would be a guy that could probably play – three or four positions on the field. Um, whatever day you needed me to play, I could do it. And just you're, you would have to find somewhere for me to play just because of my bat. Um, I'd love to be like Jack Spiggers for us, like just a Swiss Army knife. That guy is incredible. I mean, he's 
one position away from playing every position on the field. Um, so, you know, I look up to him. I really do for that. Um, but there are a lot of guys in the big leagues that, that like Max Muncy, if I could be one, if I could, if I could have one guy that, that I want my career to mirror, it would probably be him just playing any position on the field. And he wasn't always like that. I mean, he was just a hitter first. So I'm definitely confident that, that the Rangers, you know, they have guys that can get me ready to play other positions. Uh, so I'm excited to, to tackle that challenge for sure. You mentioned looking up to Jack Spiggers. Do you talk to a lot of the guys around here and guys you played with throughout the Rangers organization about hitting and about fielding and kind of pick everyone's brain? How important is that to you? It's very important. Um, you know, analytics are great, and this game has become very analytical, but um, at the same time, you know, players are playing the game, and they're the ones going through all the hardships, and they're the one having to make adjustments, and they're the easiest ones to get information from for me. So it's like when a pitcher – when we're facing a new pitcher, I, of course I want the scout report from Brad and Sway. I want to know, like, what he's got coming at me. But at the same time, like, he could have – from last week to this week, he could have worked on a new pitch, and the three guys ahead of me were able to see it, and they come in and be like, hey, I know the scout report says this, but he's working on this. Or, like, hey – you know, he doesn't really have much sync, sync today. Instead, he's got a little, like, arm side run instead of sync. So it's like, you know, the, the analytics can tell you so much, but the people can tell you way more. Um, and at the same time, humans are humans. Robots aren't. And so, you know, the humans make mistakes. And so I know a, a lot of these guys that have been here in AA the whole season have made mistakes that I'm going through right now. And they have been through it, done that, and they can help me through it. And at the same time, I've probably been through some hardships that they haven't. So, you know, being open about it, it's, you know, as long as you're not, as long as you are vulnerable with everybody, it, it's really cool because, you know, like, like for instance, Justin Foster was my roommate last week. We were staying up till 1230, one o'clock in the morning talking about like, you know, what, what he saw in this at bat and then what I saw in this at bat and how we think that tomorrow they're going to attack us and stuff like that. Um, and that happens with everybody. I mean, everybody talks like that and just has that lingo. It is good to escape from baseball sometimes, you know, like it's not always good to be like baseball, 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 baseball. Um, but the, I, I do think the players and the coaches and like the, the people are, are the biggest asset to me. You know, there are other people that, that the robots, the analytics, the all that kind of stuff works. And I do know that I will have to utilize that in my career, but I will definitely utilize people first. Throughout this whole season, obviously making the adjustments is important and all that stuff, but this is your first full minor league season, playing 100 games in Hickory and now coming up here to Frisco. How is your body and mind kind of dealt with playing that first full season, playing a lot of baseball this year? Yeah, it's like a roller coaster. Um, you know, it's like riding a wave, but at the same time, wanting to be Mr. Consistent. Um, you know, it's it's understanding that I think JG um, said something the other day that really stuck with me is he was like, you're going to fail. But as, if you learn from every failure, then it wasn't a failure. And that stuck with me. Like there's last week, I probably got 48 sliders in a row and I swung at every single one of them. So going forward 
I should know that if I'm getting sliders, like I probably shouldn't swing, should probably be a little more patient. And if I can learn from that, then that, that streak last week was not a failure. It was a learning experience and that's going to help me going forward. Um, so there is a lot of things that uh, have happened this year. Um, physically there it's, it's not been the hardest thing ever. It is tough, but you know, the, the Rangers do a phenomenal job of keeping us ready and giving us every resource we need to, to stay healthy. So that, that, I mean, that's been tough, but it's not been the toughest adjustment. It's really been the mental adjustment um, of like day in, day out. It feels like you blink and you're back on the line for the national anthem. I mean, it does, um, but that's part of it. It's, it's, the, it's the cool part of it too. It's, is if you failed last night, you blink, you're back in the game the next day and you have a chance to redeem yourself. Um, so it's, you know, there's definitely a, a dark rabbit hole that you can keep going down is if you, you just keep letting it spiral, but that's where the people come in, the teammates come in, the, you know, the resources that we're provided help us not go down that rabbit hole. Um, so that's definitely been the toughest part is just day in, day out. It's a new day. You know, yesterday doesn't matter. Tomorrow doesn't matter. That's the toughest. It's the easiest, but it's the toughest message for me. And I'm trying to, to learn that. This has been a, a breakout season in some aspects for you. But really, if you look over your whole career, this is on par, really, with what you've been doing your entire career, especially on the offensive side. Do you look into anything in terms of kind of the national attention or, or anything like that in terms of maybe the stuff you should be getting or kind of carry that 19th round pick as a chip on your shoulder going forward? Yeah, I, I try not to. Um, I try to keep that chip on my shoulder. At the same time, I, I firmly believe that, um, you know, every player out here is, is equal. And it's like once you got your foot in the door, it doesn't really matter. Uh, you know, some people are better off financially or, you know, some people are better off in the, organizational, in the organization's eyes. But at the same time, it's it's baseball. Everybody's playing the same game, and it, it it can be tough. You know, there you know, social media can be a terrible thing sometimes, but it can also be great. And I I, I really do. I try not to. Um, I know when I first got drafted, there were a few people that told me, even in the Rangers organization, that that chip on my shoulder can be a can be an advantage, and I should use it. And I've tried to all the time. Um, and, you know, I, the, it's a card that I try not to play. I just try and, I just try and go out there and play and play hard. Um, and, you know, hopefully I make it to the big leagues. If I do, I do. If I don't, I don't. But hopefully I'm a guy that every, every guy I've played with can be like, that guy plays hard every, every day. You know, he's a great teammate. Um, he was a great hitter, <laughs> um, but, you know, it's just things like that. You know, I, like what I said about Bubba, every guy that has ever played with Bubba is going to say the same exact thing that I just said or more. And if he never makes it to the big leagues, then it doesn't matter because that guy is, is going to be etched in every person he's played with mind. And he's always going to be remembered for that. And there's probably guys who have made it to the big leagues that that are just terrible teammates and, you know, rubbed everybody the wrong way. 
and they got done playing with the big leagues and they have no relationships or anything like that. So um, it's as long as I can, as long as I can look back on my career and, and say that, that I, that I quote unquote gave it all I had that, and, and I didn't care about everything on the outside. I just cared about playing. I cared about my teammates and care about winning, then, then I'll be okay. All right. We're going to hit you with some rapid fire to finish it off. Are you ready? Yep. All right. So if you, you had a game winning situation in the big leagues, you can face any pitcher in the history of baseball to get the game winning home run off of who do you want to face? Uh, probably Nolan Ryan. Okay. Cause if you, if you had a home run off Nolan Ryan, you're like the coolest dude ever. <laughs> okay. I'm not saying it would be easy, but <laughs> go to pizza topping. I'm basic, just sausage. Okay. Uh, go to Mario Kart character. I grew up playing with just, I was basic right there. I was always with Mario. Hi, if you weren't playing baseball, what would you be doing right now? Um, I think I would be a salesman. I had already kind of taken a job as a salesman for the draft. Um, my dad owns a, or my dad owned a trucking logistics company. He ended up selling it to a, a larger company that, that he works for now. Um, one of my buddies actually works for him now. Um, so I, I think I was, I was planning on doing that. You're from the South. What do you think of Texas barbecue? It's phenomenal. Phenomenal. I'm a huge barbecue guy, so. And uh, from the state of Alabama, what is uh, what is your favorite high or college football memory? I was at the kick six game. You and were I not. Was, I was. I was. And I and I grew up. You know, I'm I'm indifferent when it comes to college football. Like, I, I've come to where I just respect uh, college football. So it's like I can't root against Nick Saban. Like he's, a, he's the greatest coach of all time. Like I can't root against that that greatness. But my parents did go to Auburn for a year, so it's kind of like I do root for Auburn. A lot of people from my high school went and played at Alabama and won national championships, so it's like I kind of root for them too. But at the kick six game, I was definitely rooting for Auburn because I was still in high school and I hadn't developed that respect for Nick Saban yet, and that was absolutely absurd. And I did it. I was We were up in the – like way up there because my buddy has season tickets. We were way up there, and we ended up on the field somehow, so it was, it was great. Wow, that's it. is that your favorite sports memory? Oh, it's got it's it's got to be up there. Yeah, that's incredible. All right, Blaine Krim, thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate it. Oh yeah, I appreciate it. An incredible guy and story who just exploded onto the scene in the Rangers system. Our thanks to Blaine Krim. As we continue in the offseason, we have so many fun things planned at the ballpark, including Radiance Frozen in Frisco, which is a family-friendly holiday attraction and light show running from November 18th through January 1st on select dates. Get your tickets now at radiancechristmas.com backslash Frisco. Also, tickets are now on sale for the 2022 Frisco Classic College Baseball Tournament from March 4th through March 6th at Riders Field. The 2022 games will feature Texas A&M, Iowa, Wichita State, and Washington State. So get your tickets at FriscoClassic.com. That's going to wrap things up for this episode of Riders Report, the podcast. Make sure you subscribe wherever you're listening and wherever you listen to your podcast to get notified about our newest episode both during the offseason and when we reach the 2022 season. 
There's so much to look forward to as we continue to build on this podcast, but ultimately, we are so happy to have you along. This is Zach Bigley, the broadcaster for the Frisco Rough Riders, signing off. We'll talk to you next episode of Riders Report, the podcast. Go Riders!